0: Welcome to Checks and Balances, I'm Michael Vincent, this is James Blair, and this week we have an extra special guest, Ilsa Wolf, head of Opus Accelerate, and Cashflow Queen herself, talking about her personal journey.
1: Ilsa, great to have you here to share your story.
2: Thank you, I'm so excited, it's great to catch up with you, Yeah. and uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, so... We had quite a lot of, so there was this other bloke named um, Matthew Harris, somewhat of a divisive character. I get it when you know people aren't a fan, um, but he shared his property story and we had lots of good feedback. Yeah. We've spoken before that there's two ways to educate yourself around uh, money. There's about talking about concepts and there's learning from other people. So mm. we're going to talk all about your journey today.
2: Oh, great. Thank you. I'm very excited to share.
0: So Mike, where should we kick it off? Let's start, um, how long? Have you been investing in property? Take us right back to the start.
2: Oh, gosh. So I just realized with you sort of asking me a few of these questions, I've just ticked over 16 years. Nice. Nice. But it's weird because I'm only twenty, so it's quite weird. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what was the what was the first property? How did you? Uh, i have been very, investing since a very young age. Um, what was the what was the initial investment like? What was the first property? What were your circumstances when you uh, when you bought it? Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. Uh, they were terrible. I had, <laughs> <laughs> but I-, I knew a great bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> and banking very good at my job. Terrible at taking my own advice. No, um, so uh, I started investing. Uh, Part time, part time property investor. Yeah. While I was full time in banking, and mm-hmm. it was through that role as a corporate analyst uh, for one of the main banks um, that I was exposed to, you know, many different industry successful biz- business people, and I just saw this association between, hey, either successful people are leveraging their properties to start business, yeah. or vice versa, through the success of their business, they're able to buy. So my association just built with that. Mm. I was about twenty two. Um, one of the clients. Saw my interest, took me aside, ran me through the PNL, and I went, "Wow, this is like literally going to change my life." Yeah, I'll stop buying all the ridiculous stuff I thought was important <laughs> at ten yeah. years old. Um, so, uh, through a little bit of coaching from people in that environment, um, bought a, um, a home and income, so two uh, a main main dwelling i guess in hamilton that had a granny flat out back Yep. and um that was really the first project where i sort of thought hey look there are two houses on here at the time they were one rental mm. and um someone said to me hey why not split them into two and that literally was sort of from that born the value add thinking yeah um that i became addicted to basically um
0: yeah nice i actually just want to stop really quickly there because Ilsa um, and James have made really good points, kind of without actually overtly stating it is um, the first thing Ilsa just said was, "I learn off other people," mm-hmm. and when we talked about bringing you know, Matt on the podcast and people learning off him, and now having Ilsa on the podcast as well, is it is so important to you know not just use the resources and the textbooks, but actually how what have successful people done, and how can I mirror that? Because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know yeah. what I mean? You you get an idea of what's happening, and then you just go for it. The mm. other
1: bit is, um, you know, some people might say property is a little bit of an addiction. And what do we like doing? <laughs> we like talking about our problems. So nobody likes talking about. Don't ask me about my problems. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> successful people like they love sharing their story, don't they? Mm. And they go pretty much they just. Blurted out, I find. Mm. I mean, so Sean McGurvin, partner at um, Hague Lion, shared a very similar story about how he got into property mm. where he found somebody who pretty much would just wouldn't show up talking about everything he'd learned. Is, was that quite similar for you?
2: Yeah, it's so true. Um, and I think uh, basically it's getting exposure to people who take the time. And I think once you realize the benefits, and there are mm. so many from property investment, it does become addictive. I like to think of myself as a property hoarder Um, for a second i didn't know where that was
0: gonna go (laughs) i'm an indiscriminate collector of property yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. but
2: um and the thing is the now with the immense knowledge i have gained from so many people i just think as many people as i can you know preach to it it is life-changing and i think you know there is no age too young to start being exposed to that so you know kids get dragged into the renovations that kind of thing but um any Anyone who shows interest if they're 18, 20, um, I'm more than happy to try and, you know, sow those seeds of interest for them because all it takes is to have someone to take the time to show you a better way than what you're doing and it can be absolutely life-changing.
1: The other thing I'm really keen to talk about is you said your financial, you know, circumstances weren't perfect but you worked out a way to get um, started. Yes. Um, We talk about a financial plan plus action equals financial freedom over time, you know but there's always an excuse why mm. not to, why not to start and i'm sure you see it quite a bit as well this- what made you I guess pull the trigger to get going opposed to going, well, I'm gonna wait until I can, my income can up, be better or, yeah. and I yeah. can
0: produce some debt here and yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I've got a pretty dogged determination. So once I uh, once I learn about it, it just has to happen. So yeah. that's just in my nature and I understand lots of people, you know, there are many different personality types and it's so easy, even in my professional role as a property investment coach now. I hear excuses all day, every day, or you know, the market's not right, I'm not quite ready, I just need to talk to this person. But once um, it really comes down to action, you can have all the research and motivation in the world if you do not take that first step and it will never be perfect. You'll mm. never have all the resource, all the information, um, and that's almost actually ironically the, the perfection about it because yeah. you need that in order to learn along the way. You cannot start knowing it all. And so just taking that um, first action to, uh, to find a way is more important than finding the perfect way. Yeah.
1: One of my, I've got a few favorite sayings at the moment. Mike knows I love the saying. Um, If you found the perfect time to invest, you've left it far too late, the opportunity's Mm. gone. Yeah. Mm. Um, Is one that I'm really liking at the moment. So let's talk about um, your biggest challenges when you started investing in property. Where did you, Mm. so you kind of got some knowledge. Um, You were like, yep, I'm really keen to go down this road. Where were the challenges you ran into?
2: I had no money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a prerequisite? Might <laughs> that. <laughs> it is the most common
2: problem. Yeah. I'll yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, uh, creative finance uh, is definitely, you know, these are some of the best stories. If you talk to any investor, how they started, mm. it's often those nuggets in that first deal, how they got that over the line that you can learn. So the first property uh, that my boyfriend at the time and I went to purchase with my discount from the uh, the bank pricing was we needed a 5% deposit. So in Hamilton, where I was based at the time, uh, I needed around $18,000. So my boyfriend said, oh, that's that's easy. That's not much. I'll front up 13 and you just throw in the other five. And I thought, cool.
0: Mm, where am I going to get that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure. So... Um, Walked out of the bank I worked at, walked down a couple of blocks to another bank and said, um, "I'd like to buy a car on an unsecured loan." <laughs> <laughs> really responsible. So um, had this unsecured loan uh, for six thousand dollars and uh, went back, transferred that. Bada bing, bada boom, done. First property done.
0: Um, it's quite funny actually. I have a very similar story where James and I have a very good friend. I won't mention his name. Maybe I just did and we had to cut it. Um, we only but, have
1: three good friends, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: who worked at a bank, uh, may have been doing some lending, uh, got the application together, didn't have any deposit, called the credit check, well he didn't but he got the person to call the credit check so that you know they couldn't see any other credit calls on this uh, um, credit check. Went down the road, got a personal loan for 20 grand and used that as the deposit. He then worked seven days a week, 12 hours a day to pay it all back because it was up to (laughs) his gills in debt. Um, But you know, it's, uh, it's how he got it started
2: and where there's a will there's a way oh, 100% and, yeah.
1: sneaky mofos <laughs> it is
0: It is. we are not advising you to do that <laughs> you and couldn't by the way it, it is yeah.
2: no. much mm. Like
0: I just don't think you could do that nah. I think with the amount of sort of checks that you go through at the banks mm. they would see that credit decision on there and you'd be done however mm-hmm. Michael Vincent Shark loans at 20% he will give you a
1: deposit for your house <laughs> <laughs> very flexible credit policy yeah. and no documents yeah yeah, oh. just a wink <laughs> is required <laughs> <laughs> okay so anyway you found a deposit one way or another, and you've definitely incriminated yourself. So, um, good luck. Potential <laughs> investigations yeah. done. As yeah, well. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 um, you got the property, and then, and then, what happened?
2: Yeah. So, purchased that one, uh, and then it was when I think about it now it was that classic hey buy in your own neighbourhood it's exactly what I did so yeah. hand up it was one block behind the home I lived in nice. where I was renting at the time and um, so yeah I guess the first project there was to split the the main house and the granny flat into two so learning about that process and splitting the meter for the power etc and then seeing the beauty of hey there are these two incomes that if I lose one tenant for some reason because I think mm. that's one of the biggest fears you think what if I can't find tenants you know mm. that's one of those first concerns um, if I lose one tenant I've, I have the other one so I'm kind of good there and saw how much cash flow that added then that really kind of got me hooked and eight months after that right on literally just on the cusp of the GFC about eight months later um, ended up being able to buy the house that we lived in at the time mm. and we split that into two as well yeah. so within uh, within eight months had two uh, home and income properties effectively. Nice. And thank goodness we did that because when the GFC, Global Financial Crisis hit, uh, the interest rates were around 9% yeah. were fixed. And even with the two incomes on each of those, we were still topping up a couple hundred dollars a week.
0: Yeah. So
2: that kind of was a real, that was a massive learning point to go, hey, there's something in adding value.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I know we don't like to dwell on assets that we maybe don't have anymore, but- What do you think those uh, houses would be worth now each? Just a rough guesstimate.
2: Mm. Yeah, good point, because I do have one of the two. So the okay. very first one I huh? actually kept. So when we split up, we had negative equity. That was yeah. just after Jersey.
0: <laughs> you get one, Thanks. I get the other.
2: Stuff. Yeah. Thanks for just digging it in there a little yeah. bit, uh, Mike. But uh, yeah, so when we broke up, you know, we had no option. If we had sold both properties, we would still have owed the bank mm-hmm. after repaying the loan. So we ended up just splitting the debt down the middle and taking one property each. Yep. Um, so I've kept that one. But really important thing is that That still suits the type of property I Mm. want now, Um, but it's true sometimes you um, they they no longer serve you that purpose. I think if it had been just a standalone house, it definitely wouldn't be good enough for what I'm focusing on right now. But again, having the incomes, it was it was really good. It's um, yeah, so that was bought for three hundred and forty odd thousand, and it's worth about one point one right now. And this sort of depressed and
0: listen to that the next time that someone comes to me and says we're at the peak of the market I'd be an idiot to buy right now you could argue that the GFC at that time was the peak of the market and it all fell off a cliff the next day if if you retain the assets for long enough it doesn't matter Mm. these are long-term assets you're not thinking about these on what happens in six months or 12 months you've just got to hold on to the asset Mm.
1: yeah so if you did buy in 2021 and you're going, oh, why did I do this? I made such a big mistake. Mm. Um, time fixes most financial mistakes. Maybe not personal mistakes, but definitely Thanks, financial mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so
0: speaking of mistakes, yeah, what were some of the biggest mistakes you've made? Please right, please good. keep them financial.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we want to keep
1: this, you know, keep this going. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we want to go live with this, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, there were a couple of properties following those where I thought I'll dabble in a few different types of properties or different yeah. ideas and uh, uh, not adding value. Yeah, uh, you know, so not renovating or not somehow uh, improving the value of the property or the, mm. the rent performance of that definitely started to hold me back because. The second mis- mistake I made was thinking, hey, I'd, I'd heard some information that, hey, if you if you renovate and you can form a deposit, all you need to meet is the LVR requirements and you can yeah. just go and go and go. So I became super tunnel focused on that and mm. I became obsessed with I just need equity and because that I- equals wealth. I'm yeah. not worried about the rent. I want the wealth. Um, but there's only so far that would get you. And the first time I heard that was. I think I was about four or five properties in, and my broker said, um, oh, you, you can't go again. I said, hang on, no, I've I've created that 20% mm. deposit at the time. He said, no, no, but your servicing is too low. And I thought, what the heck? And it, it was in that moment I realized I needed a balance of both. Yeah. Um, and so in that moment started to become really obsessed with, okay, I need to have cash flow as well. Um, what also happened, and this is my biggest mistake, was that through that obsession with uh, raising equity through renovations, uh, I bought three Auckland, central Auckland properties in really quick succession. This was within about six months. And then the Auckland property market flattened out. Um, I'd maximized that recycling. So, that, mm. you know, they were really high, highly leveraged properties. Mm. And, um, but hadn't actually looked at what the rents would be after the renovation at all. Yeah. And within about six months, I had this revolving credit that seemed really big, but was completely gone yeah. in six months. And I thought, hang on, what's wrong here? Finally put an Excel spreadsheet together and thought, oh my gosh, these properties, these three properties alone are going backwards at 55 grand a year. Yeah.
0: That hurts.
2: <laughs> fairly, <big, laughs> fairly big mistake. Fairly big mistake. Um, and that actually was the biggest life-changing moment for myself and for my family. I had just had my first um, child. Mm. At, uh, she, was, she was about five months. So like the stress, can you oh, imagine yeah, um, that compounded stress? Just the
0: baseline stress level there. Yeah. Is through the roof. <laughs>
2: yeah. So um, we actually had to make some huge changes. Um, we ended up renting our house out for a while. My in-laws very fortunately were able to put us into a house, um, another property that they Had Mm -hmm. and um, we knuckled down. We were on one salary, my husband's salary. Um, I was, you know, at home with a five month old, and I just said to myself, You will never repeat the scenario, and never will you put yourself in this kind of risk again. I had this master Excel spreadsheet, and I said, Once a day, I'm going to look at the sheet and make one change forward. And every time I look at this, I'll make a tweak, one shape or form, and move forward. And it took us 18 to 24 months to truly clear out of that negative gearing Mm. from 55,000 to a point where we could change our circumstances enough to keep moving forward. But that was probably the most terrifying moment.
1: The daily tweaks, small little tweaks you made in terms of the spreadsheet, can you Mm. just – um, what those were? Yeah, give us like some high-level yeah. kind of what what it did, did they look like.
2: Yeah, well, I made sure the first thing was was the obvious thing I would do, which was check with the property managers. So our portfolio by that point was about eight properties, um, Auckland, Hamilton, yeah, just Auckland and Hamilton at that point. Um, and so with both of the property managers, I just checked, hey, are the annual rent reviews – no, sorry, at the time it was six monthly. Mm. So, yeah, can you please check that we're completely on market? Can you let me know if there are any other opportunities? Yeah. Is there anything I should improve or tweak that would get us a better rent? Mm-hmm. And then if a tenant gave notice, I was looking at ways to add value or spruce it up, you know, even a lick of paint, yeah. um, could get an extra $20, $30 a week. Mm. Um, and I would go and do that myself. So yeah. anything cost effectively, I'd do that travel, you know, rather than $5,000 or $10,000 for a professional paint job. Mm. I'd quickly gone down there because I'd learned a lot of the, the skills in my first projects. Um and then other things like getting a consent to add a second toilet um, started to really put into effect some of my now current principles, adding walls to add bedrooms and just nudge cash flow as well as bring expenses down as much yeah. as I could. Yeah. Review the insurance, review and negotiate negotiate our property management fees, that kind of thing.
1: Mm, nice. Um You've got a, a line in here which I really like. Cash flow is king. You can't buy groceries with capital gains. So true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried to t- um, pay wave with a house. Yeah, it just didn't work. I just had a break. view. You bought
0: that for Webs, didn't you? I was yeah. like, okay, I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So I, I'm guessing that was a combination of one income having to do mm. the sacrifice you had, had a baby, and yes. was kind of looking at the the cash flows and going, yeah. "What do I learn from this?"
2: Totally. And and. The the really emotional point of that, I was really disappointed in myself because that the property was my baby. You know, we were a couple of years into sort of, I I was moving into full-time investing through renovations and my husband was working um, in marketing for a corporate. $55,000 top up, purely on an interest only set of loans, told me that he was going to work for about four months, four or five months a year. Just so we could stand still. Yeah. And that's time away from us. That's time yep. away from the, our baby, and um, and so that was actually the emotional driver for me to fix that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So in terms of uh, obviously cash flow is king. Um, you kind of your your personal strategy, I guess, was born out of that a little bit. Um, what's some of your sort of key strategies that you use at the moment in your portfolio when you're sort of you know uh, advising other people on yeah. their properties as well
2: yeah so I have this uh, process called cash flow hacking uh, which was really kind of the culmination of all the wins the losses blood sweat, and tears yeah. <laughs> along the way um, so a couple of years ago or well, several years ago really started to think how can I buy at discount especially in a hot market no. or how can I look at properties that others are not and kind of where I got to was if I I can quickly and cost effectively upspeak a property. That's one way to hack or to buy a property at discount. So, if the bulk of the market is looking at three bedroom, one bath houses to to buy as a either a first home buyer or a doer, which is where many investors play in that sort of that kind of price band, um, I was thinking, okay, well, if I could buy a two bedroom house because there's less competition with that but one that's big enough where I could maybe turn it into a three-bedroom house. Or if I can look at the the size of that land and that section and add value some other way, I'll be able to buy less than what I plan to spend and put a little top-up into the renovation and actually – distort the rent, Mm, and that mm. way I can get a better gross yield or return from that rent that way. So I started to play with a few different things, talk with property managers, talk with valuers to see where I could win on both an equity grab as well as rent increase.
1: And if that sounds interesting, we have a completely separate episode coming on cash flow hacking. So make sure to subscribe and give us a review so you see that episode. Before we um, wrap it up, I'm very keen just around the advice you give um, someone who's thinking about getting started.
2: Yeah. Oh, hang on, what have I put there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think the main thing was about like oh, not, yes. not being perfect, mm, yeah, yeah, yep, and having... seeking advice. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. So um, to to hustle and find a way is the most important thing because you'll never have all the tools, all the information, all the resource. But get creative and read, find out how other people got into property investing, and just take that step. Commit to making progress and you will learn along the way ironically but true uh, is that things get easier once you start mm. and it's it does snowball um, even the deals as they become more complex they oddly become easier to leverage it's sort of back to front in some ways but the key point is to not just be motivated but turn that into action mm. and then the other point is you can compound your time and progress in this industry uh, by leaning on people who have more experience than you I always think about it as you know I was this fresh investor had no experience but someone who had 20 years of investing was coaching me through that yeah i got to piggyback that 20 years as though i had 20 years mm. so compound your experience and your time by leaning on people who are ahead of you and have achieved what you want to achieve yeah it's amazing
0: way. advice eh? yeah. you just uh, the, the people around you like we talked about at the start of the episode genuinely want to help Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like everyone's hoarding these secrets, you know, like no, you exactly. don't have to subscribe to a YouTube thing for fifty-nine ninety-nine a month or anything like that. Like, although you, click
1: the Bible. below. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, if you just if you just seek someone out who's experienced. Usually they want to help. Yeah, are you know, yeah. not that's like really.
2: I'm. I'm not hoarding all of this to myself. Yeah. Have a crack. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's if you learn from those people, you can avoid the really costly mm. or the time wasting mistakes. Yeah. Right, and um, there is so much more information out there from compared to 2007 when I started. It, you know, it was <laughs> who can I answer these questions? I'll you know I'll talk to somebody. But yeah. there is so much free information out there. There's there is no excuse.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay, so we've got a part two coming up. If all of this is of interest. Um, Ilsa from OPEZ Accelerate is the person to uh, talk to. But we're going to go into a lot more detail in the next episode about all things cash flow hacking. Great. So thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe, give us a review, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.